0: I'm Derek Walker, I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and we're continuing our study, in-depth study, of the book of Revelation. We've come to Revelation chapter 13, a a crucial chapter all about the beast and the false prophet and the mark of the beast. Let's let's talk about the setting first of all, where this is taking place in the middle of the tribulation or the day of the Lord, the first three and a half years um, of Daniel's 70th week, Uh, we see the two witnesses ministering at the Temple Mount. And there's a Jewish temple operating there at the same time. And they're a crucial part of that because they are proclaiming that Jesus is the Lamb of God who's died and risen again. And they are calling Israel back to the Lord and they're also calling down the first six trumpet judgments. And that's for the first three and a half years of Daniel's 70th week. And then the Antichrist breaks his covenant with Israel. He invades uh, East Jerusalem, takes over the temple by killing the two witnesses who had dominated the temple until this point. And when that happens, um, we're now into the mid-tribulation interval and uh, their dead bodies lie there for three and a half days until God, and the world has a party because The world sees them as responsible for the trumpet judgments that have fallen. But with the cameras all on them, uh, they are resurrected and they ascend into heaven. And it says the whole world sees that, so the cameras must have been on them. And that's a great, as it were, counter move by God, demonstrating his power. And then Satan immediately, the Antichrist immediately, wants to seize the initiative back. And so this is when the Antichrist sets up his abomination of desolation in the temple, which is probably an idol to himself because he wants the whole world to worship him. And when that happens, God responds by the blowing of the seventh trumpet. And the seventh trumpet um, releases uh, Michael and his angels to cast Satan and his angels out of the heavenlies. At the same time, the believing Israel, the woman, Flees to safety to a place God has prepared for her in Jordan. And although the Satan tries to destroy them, um, God intervenes and she makes her escape. And that's Revelation chapter twelve. And she is then kept safe there for the second half, that is, three and a half years, more precisely, 1220 days. We saw that the interval there is a 30 day interval. So after the three and a half days there's another 30 days in which this woman makes her escape uh, and comes to this place of safety and then she's kept safe there for the final 1260 days. Now um, we know that because Daniel 12 tells about there being a total time of 1290 days from when the abomination is set up until the the return of Christ. And uh, during this 30 days is also the time described in Revelation 13. Because it says once the dragon failed to destroy this woman, he now tries to to attack and destroy all believers and all Jews uh, across the earth. And his instrument for doing that and for establishing his total power in the earth is now described in Revelation 13. In Revelation 13 is all the things that that it takes place at this mid-tribulation interval, in which case um, Satan is the power behind it, but the Antichrist at this time now rises up to his world dictatorship. And this is when the mark of the beast comes in as well, that we want to talk about today. And this is... Uh, by the end of those 30 days not only has the woman escaped but now Antichrist has managed to take world uh, dictatorship and bring in that mark of the beast and the aim is again to destroy all the people of God uh, on the earth and Satan to establish his kingdom once and for all on the earth and so this is coming to the climax of the spiritual warfare and so we're told that the Antichrist will be given 1,260 days of this world rule. And that's the same as the 1,260 days that the woman is kept safe. So now let's look at Revelation 13. It says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. And the beast here, as, as Daniel 7 also talks about, is a Gentile world power. In fact, this particular beast is, is like the whole Uh, It has seven heads, and so it's the Gentile world powers. Uh, It's the Gentile world power called Babylon. It is the attempt of Satan, starting from the Tower of Babel, to take over the whole world. And so Babylon has taken different forms over the years. Uh, It's manifested in different world empires, but its nature is that of a beast and it's under Satan's control, and it's against God. And so this beast, it says, comes out of the sea, that's the Gentile nations, and then it has seven heads, and the seven heads we saw are the seven world empires leading up to this point, but the Antichrist now belongs to the final head, the seventh head, because once this is destroyed, that's the end of the beast. So the beast, as it were, has its origins at the Tower of Babel and then continues and manifests through different world empires. It says it also has ten horns, because on the, tenth, on the seventh head, this final head, um, there are ten horns, there are going to be ten kings that the Antichrist is going to rule over in, in the final form of this beast. On his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. That shows its anti-god nature. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet like the feet of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion. In other words, that refers to the previous empires. The lion, the leopard is Greece, the bear is Persia, the lion is Babylon. Uh, There are all these previous heads. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And so it's, it's demonized. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. Now now we're looking at the, at the seventh head, really. And its deadly wound was healed. And the world marveled and followed the beast. And so this is talking about the Antichrist. Just before mid-tribulation, he has a death and resurrection that causes the whole world to wonder and to worship him. And it says so they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast and they worship the beast saying who is like the beast who is able to make war with him and so there's a this is when he becomes world the whole world bows to him and he becomes a world dictator here and he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies he was given authority to continue for 42 months that's the time of his world power the last 42 months He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and overcome them. This final time will be a horrible time of persecution and martyrdom of of believers. And it says, authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. So it's a worldwide empire. All who dwell on the earth, that's the earth dwellers will worship him whose names have not been written in the Book of Life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. And so the big issue before mankind is, will you, will you worship Christ or will you worship the beast, the Antichrist? And if you haven't received Christ, then at that time the, you will end up worshipping and following this Antichrist, just to save your own life. And then that means your name isn't written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that means eternal damnation. So it's so essential you accept Christ, you accept the Lamb of God who died for you, and if when you do, he will write your name in that Lamb's Book of Life with his own blood. That's God's family album. Well, we've seen there in Revelation 13 the satanic trinity. The dragon is Satan's imitation of the Father God, and the Antichrist is the imitation of the true Christ, God's ruler on earth, his visible representative. And now we're going to come and, and also talk about the false prophet, who is Satan's counterfeit for the Holy Spirit. The false prophet actually um, is empowered to do signs and wonders to cause people to glorify the Antichrist, worship the Antichrist, just like the Holy Spirit works supernaturally to draw people to worship the true Christ. And so let's look at that in verse 13. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven. This is the false prophet. On the earth, in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And it says it, he causes the image of the beast to be, made, to be made. And I think this is probably the abomination of desolation, an idol to the beast. And that means this abomination causes God's desolating judgments to fall. So that's why it's called the abomination of desolation. And that's what, when it's put up, the seventh trumpet is blown that releases those judgments. Abomination is often associated with idolatry, so it's an idolatrous image to the Antichrist, erected in God's temple. And this is designed to be the representation and focal point of this false worldwide Antichrist religion, which rejects Christ, and this idol is used as an aid to worshipping the beast. Now, in the classical theory, this is an idol image of Antichrist himself, who's claiming all worship for himself as part of a personality cult. In the Islamic theory, of an Islamic antichrist that has come to the fore recently, the image erected at the temple in Jerusalem will be the visible sign of, a, of the new center of Islamic worship to which all Muslims will be required to bow and direct their worship. Uh, and so in a sense this will replace the Kaaba at Mecca, which will be destroyed. Um, it will be the image or symbol of the beast empire, possibly a crescent moon erected in honor of the beast, uh, of the Antichrist. And so the Antichrist will bring in a new form of Islam with himself at the center. The choice of the temple of God as the place of its erection magnifies its blasphemy against the true God and it is consistent with the Islamic practice of domination of other religions and cultures by erecting Islamic shrines over the worship centers of other faiths. Well, we will see in due course. Then it says, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And so the false prophet is even able to make this image appear to come to life and speak, increasing the aura of the people. Now, this is either a supernatural manifestation, or it's the use of advanced technology that I guess is available now, It says, the false prophet spoke like a dragon, and his dragon-like nature is revealed when he causes all who refuse to worship the image representing Antichrist in his religion to be killed. Thus we see the Antichrist will force his totalitarian religion on all people so that those who refuse to submit will be killed. When the state and religion, are united as one. Refusal to submit to the religion is seen as treason against the state and therefore punishable by death. And this is magnified when both state and religion are combined, personified and embodied in one man. Those who refuse to worship the beast are the tribulation martyrs described in Revelation 20, verse 4. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads and on their hands. And actually, whenever the mark of the beast and the image of the beast are mentioned, it's always together because the mark of the beast is not in action right now even if you took a chip on your hand it wouldn't be the mark of the beast because the real issue is whether you worship the beast or not and the mark of the beast is really a, a tool that satan uses to force you to worship the image because if you don't have the mark you you have your finances are, are destroyed and so it the key issue is worship God wants your worship, but Satan also wants your worship. Who are you going to give your worship to? That's the key issue. And so the image of the beast represents the worship. The mark of the beast represents the tool that is used, the financial pressure to cause you to worship the image. So if you don't take the mark... So in other words, taking taking the mark will involve making your vow of loyalty and worship to the Antichrist. That's what's the essence, and that's why it's punishable by eternal damnation. It's not just you taking a mark, it's the fact that you worship the beast. Uh, You reject God, you worship the beast, and the mark is just the outward sign of that. So again, whenever you see scriptures about the mark and the image, you have to combine those two ideas to understand the true nature of the mark. Well, the pressures on people to conform at this point will be so great that only true believers will be able to resist and overcome. And notice that the chosen method of execution in, uh, in this, it says that they will be beheaded. Now, if we com- compare the, um, the Islamic approach, uh, the jihadic approach, you might say, uh, like with uh, Islamic State, it is, we will cut your head off if you don't convert. And that's very similar here. They are beheaded if they do not worship, uh, as, uh, worship the beast. And so there's a parallel there with radical Islam. Radical means roots, which means that radicals return to the roots of their faith and try to literally put into practice what is in the roots of the faith. So what we see with Islam is, in the Quran, the root would be the, what Muhammad did, how he used the sword to spread the faith. And so radical Islam, in a sense, is authentic Islam. It's not been uncompromised by being mixed with the more tolerant and compassionate Christian values. So, as it were, modern Islam might, might be nicer, um, than the radical Islam, but the radical Islam is actually true to the original Islam. Radical Christianity, on the other hand, is following the example of Jesus and the apostles, and they renounced the sword in spreading the faith, acting in humility, forgiveness and love towards all, even their enemies, who hated and persecuted them. And so people might say, well, look at the church. They did all kinds of terrible things in the Middle East, in the Middle Ages and so on, the Crusades, whatever. But the point is, when they did that, they were acting against the teaching of Jesus, whereas radical Islam, um, actually, is in implementing the teaching of Muhammad. Well, the false prophet, reinforces this total control over the world by introducing a powerful economic tool, the mark of the beast, which requires everyone to take a mark on their right hand or forehead, without which they cannot participate in the financial system. It says he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of the name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. And so no one will be able to buy or sell without this mark, which consists of the Antichrist's name or number. People's need to survive will force them off the fence. So even the reluctant ones will bow unless they have true faith. Because basically you'll, you'll be cut out of the financial system. Now, something like this happened to the early church under Rome because some Caesars, like the mission, who persecuted John, as he was on the Isle of Patmos because of that, these Caesars proclaimed themselves as gods and expected people to worship them by bowing and offering a sacrifice before their image, uh, their statue. And this imperial cult started with Julius Caesar, and this image was to be a adored publicly and it was the duty of citizens to do that and it was treasonous not to do it. Caligula was the first emperor to demand all citizens bow to his statue. Domitian took the title Lord and God and ordered people to confess he was Lord and God as a test of loyalty and of course John's refusal to do that is why he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Well it depended on each local city how strictly they enforced that And those who failed to bow could be excluded from buying and selling in the marketplace or even suffer martyrdom. And so the shadow of this was already there in the time of John. Well, when it says the number of the name of the beast is given as 666, this gives us a way to identify him. Six is the number of man. Uh, Man was created on the sixth day and by himself, without God, he falls short of spiritual perfection. Spiritual perfection is seven, but you on your own, you are a six. You need God to perfect you and make you a seven. So 666 represents the ultimate concentration and consummation of man in pride, independence and rebellion against God, the three sixes. It's a sign of man trusting in himself for salvation rather than the grace of God. It's, it's man in his pride. And that's the essence of the Antichrist, a total rejection of God. And interestingly, in Hebrew and Greek, every letter is also a number. So every word has a number value by simply adding up the, the values of each letter. And it's interesting that if you calculate the number of Jesus, or Jesus in Greek, It actually adds up to eight, eight, eight. Eight, eight is the number of regeneration and resurrection, because it's seven plus one. So now we're not in Christ. We're not just seven. We're eight. Christ rose on the eighth day, the first day of the new week. We are the new creation, and so that is. um, These numbers are very interesting, and so Jesus is eight, 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 but the Antichrist is six, 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 and so uh, if you're interested, I've actually done a, a CD series on number in Scripture. Well, um, we should tell people that uh, if they, everyone knows about 666, so we need to tell people about 888, Christ. Because Christ didn't just restore us from sin and make us a 7, he also gave us his resurrected, overcoming life, and that makes us an 8. Hallelujah. Well, the mark of the beast is a mark of ownership that says you belong to him. When you take the mark, you're saying, I belong to the beast, and therefore I give him my worship. In the Islamic view, people will become Muslims and swear total loyalty to the supreme caliph, the Antichrist, and then receive his mark that will enable them to buy and sell. So everyone will be given a choice to swear loyalty to the Antichrist and worship him, and thus qualify to receive his mark or to refuse it, in which case you'll be killed. If you hide... You'll be excluded from the economic system. But God warns anyone who takes the mark that they'll be eternally doomed. That's in Revelation 14 that we'll see next time. During the first half of the tribulation, people will have seen many miracles and they have received many truths that Jesus is the true Christ. Uh, and now, if they, this is, for most people, their final chance to make a decision for Christ. And if they haven't by now, it's almost certain that they will follow their flesh, and they will accept the mark of the beast, and then that will doom them forever. So at mid-tribulation, for most people, this is the end of the line. This is where they make their final decision. And once they take the mark, they are eternally doomed. Well, through the mark, the Antichrist is able to bring the global economic system totally under his control. He takes advantages of the, the new technology of computers, scanners, microchips, implants. The mark is perfectly designed to give the Antichrist total control over the political, economic, religious realms, forcing everyone to worship him. It also gives him a way of identifying and killing those who refuse the mark. It'll seem for a short time that Satan has completely succeeded in setting up a world system under his control, run by a man he fully possesses, with all of its worship rising to him as its God. Just like When we worship the Son, we're worshipping the Father, because they're one. So when people worship the Antichrist, they'll also be worshipping his Lord and God, Satan, with whom he's identified, for he'll be the perfect visible representation of his invisible spiritual father. Thus, most who get saved will get saved in the first half of the tribulation, and most of the rest will take the mark to save their skins, but then be lost forever. 2 Thessalonians says, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs and lying wonders, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. That's the preaching of the gospel in the first half of the tribulation. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion, that's the the Antichrist and, and the miracles of the false prophet, that they should believe the lie that Antichrist is God, that they might all be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So those who reject Christ's salvation in the first half of the tribulation come under the strong delusion of the Antichrist and submit to him and receive his mark. And so they come under divine judgment. The mark will be a major tool the Antichrist uses for his program of mass persecution against the Jews and Christians in the Great Tribulation. For these are the main two groups that will refuse to take the mark. As a result, there will be a great multitude of martyrdoms in the second half of the tribulation. That's why it's called the Great Tribulation. And Satan's end game is to gain total control over mankind through the Antichrist, and he especially desires man's worship. Just as halfway through the original 70th week, Satan offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world if he would just worship him. So he'll make the same offer to the Antichrist in the middle of the rerun 70th week. Antichrist will accept this offer and receive supernatural, satanic power after a death and, his death, a death and resurrection and then quickly gain world dominion for three and a half years. Revelation 13.4 shows Satan's plan is to get the whole world to worship him. By making them worship his image, that's the Antichrist, his authorized anointed representative in the flesh. In this he copies God, for when we honor and worship the Son, we are also worshiping the Father, the Son who is the image of the invisible God. Normally every person has the deadline of their death to choose whether to receive Christ or follow Satan's way and reject God. But as the age closes, it's necessary for things to come to a head, where they're forced to make this choice during their lifetime. And that's what's going to happen with the mark of the beast. And once they make that choice, then that's it. So receive Christ while you can. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And on our website, oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk, you you can find uh, a way you can help us financially and we would be so grateful. If you want to know more about End Time Prophecy and the Book of Revelation, can I recommend my big reference book called The uh, Panorama of Prophecy. It's over 600 pages and we've produced it in a large size version which makes it more enjoyable to read with a bigger print and uh, it's available uh, for £40 and uh, this will be a book to, to have for a lifetime of course, if you want to pay a little less, uh, you can buy the, uh, the book in half this size, in the A5 version, and that, and that will be, I think, £15. Pounds. So again, l- take the Word of God into you. Study it in depth, and this will be a good place to really get the whole revelation of Bible prophecy. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515086.